0: we're reading from 2 Timothy chapter 2 and we're starting at verse 8 going through to verse 26 remember Jesus Christ raised from the dead descended from david this is my gospel for which i am suffering even to the point of being chained like a criminal but god's word is not chained therefore i endure everything for the sake of the elect that they too may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Here is a trustworthy saying. If we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we disown him, he will also disown us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot disown himself. Keep reminding God's people of these things. Warn them before God against quarrelling about words. It is of no value and only ruins those who listen. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. Avoid godless chatter, because those who indulge in it will become more and more ungodly their teaching will spread like gangrene. Among them are Hymenaeus and Philetus, who have departed from the truth. They say that the resurrection has already taken place, and they destroy the faith of some. Nevertheless, God's solid foundation stands firm, sealed with this inscription, The Lord knows those who are his. And Everyone who confesses the name of the Lord must turn away from wickedness. In a large house, there are articles not only of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay. Some are for special purposes and some for common use. Those who cleanse themselves from the latter will be instruments for special purposes, made holy, useful to the master, and prepared to do any good work. Flee the evil desires of youth, and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Don't have anything to do with stupid and foolish arguments, because you know they produce quarrels. And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but must be kind to everyone, able to teach, not resentful. Opponents must be gently instructed in the hope that God will grant them repentance, leading them to a knowledge of the truth, and that they will come to their senses and escape from the trap of the devil, who has taken them captive to do his will. This is God's word.
1: Morning everyone, my name is Scott, I'm the student minister. I have more props than I know quite what to do with. Um, let's pray as we, uh, as we come to God's word. Heavenly Father, we, we praise you that you have spoken uh, to us clearly, uh, fully uh, in your word. Father, we praise you that as we look at it uh, this morning, uh, you have promised to change us by your spirit, uh, to be those who, who live in a way that brings you honor and glory. Father, please would you do that work uh, as, we, uh, uh, as we study your word now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, it is um, annual review season uh among the church staff exciting um uh, very very good process worth doing but i don't know if um if your own sort of annual reviews make you uh leap for joy or uh, or slightly quiver and give you sleepless nights um whichever of those it is it's an important uh process isn't it it's important to know whether you're doing a good job um if you go to work every day every weekday uh, you don't want to be wasting your time doing something that has no value You want to make sure that what you're doing is right, is good. We've been thinking as we've um, come to 2 Timothy uh, about passing on the gospel, uh, the gospel baton that has come down uh, from Paul to Timothy all the way down to us and how we pass that on uh, faithfully uh, to the next generation. What would it take uh, for God to approve of that work that we're seeking to do? What would it take? And we might think maybe it's um, hundreds of people a year uh, turning and trusting in Jesus. Maybe we think, oh, if only I, I could do big things, you know, uh, big miracles for the Lord. Then, uh, then he'd say, oh, well done. Well, the pastor we look at um, this morning says n- none of those things, although they're not necessarily bad in themselves. You know, if you want to be a God-approved worker, you handle the word of truth correctly. That is, you know the gospel and you pass it on faithfully to others. Especially when that gospel is under attack. Last week, um told us that, that to pass on the true gospel is hard work. Um, it will involve suffering and perseverance. It will be difficult. This week, um, the, the first few verses, 8 to 13, remind us that it is worth it. Holding on to the gospel in order to pass it on to others is absolutely worth it. Let me read from verse 8 again. Remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, descended from David. This is my gospel for which I am suffering, even to the point of being chained like a criminal. But God's word is not chained. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they too may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Paul's saying that, that being willing to suffer, to put the work in, to pass on the gospel, has always been uh, the gospel way. It's, it's what Jesus himself did, uh, suffering for the sake of others. Um, it is the pattern that Paul follows in his ministry. Um, remember, he's, he's writing this from prison, and his final stay in prison before he goes uh, for execution, But verse 10, he endures that for the sake of the elect, for the sake of God's people. And that is the pattern that Christians follow, all Christians, verse 11. Here is a trustworthy saying, if we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we disown him, he will also disown us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot disown himself. That is that following Jesus means dying with him to self, to lose our lives in order that we might gain them. By enduring, you will reign with Jesus. That's the promise here. And then the flip side of that, of course, is is the warning in in 12 to 13. It is a warning that, that keeping going does matter. God will always be true to his word. Keep going because it is worth it. Don't give up even when it gets hard. And the role, therefore, of of, of any gospel worker, anyone who's seeking to pass that on, is verse 14, to keep reminding God's people of these things. All of us need those constant reminders that the gospel is worth uh, holding on to. Uh, Many... Uh, we will say, of course, in our day that it is, it is not worth holding on to that gospel. And that will include often, sometimes, sadly, those who, who call themselves Christians. The attack on the gospel will often come from within uh, the church. And so um, then Paul turns to how you should respond to the attacks on the gospel in trying to hold on uh, to the gospel in order to pass it on. What do you do? when that gospel comes under fire, that's where we're going to spend um, the most of our time uh, this morning. We'll see three things. We're to respond when the gospel comes under attack, we're to respond by teaching and living the truth, having nothing to do with false teaching, and not arguing, but gently instructing. Um, It is, uh, firstly, a a call, I guess, to, to church leaders, to those in responsibility, but it is also a call to the whole church. This is what we're to all be about when the gospel is under fire. So firstly then, teach and live the truth. Teach and live the truth. Verse 14. Keep reminding God's people of these things. Warn them before God against quarrelling about words. It is of no value and only ruins those who listen. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. Avoid godless chatter. Because those who indulge in it will become more and more ungodly. Their teaching will spread like gangrene. Among them are Hymenaeus and Philetus who have departed from the truth. They say that the resurrection has already taken place and they destroy the faith of some. Nevertheless, God's solid foundation stands firm. Sealed with this inscription, the Lord knows those who are his. And everyone who confesses the name of the Lord must turn away from wickedness. Paul says, when it comes to defending the gospel, holding on to the gospel, quarreling about words is no good. What we need is the truth of the gospel. And so if you want to be a God-approved worker, um, you you need two things. You need not to be ashamed of your life, of of the life that you live as you teach and proclaim the gospel. And you need to correctly handle the word of truth. That is, uh, the question for all of us is, does my life commend the gospel and do my words teach the gospel? That phrase, when, when Paul tells somebody to correctly handle the word of truth, it literally means to cut straight the word of truth, to cut straight. So if you're a, um, if you're a civil engineer and you're working on, uh, on cross rail, um, they've probably all the tunnels dug by now, hopefully. Um, who knows? But if you're working on that and, and your, your job is to dig the tunnel, well, you don't want a tunnel that weaves um, every, every 10 yards. You don't want that. That is no good to anyone. And actually, a tunnel that's not cut straight is not just annoying. It is dangerous. If it's not cut properly, it's going to collapse in and, co- and, and cause untold harm. Picture Paul is using it, he's saying if you want to be a a God-approved worker, handling the word means cutting straight. That is, you teach what the Bible says. I mean, you do that plainly and clearly. Not so people are impressed or worse, confused, but so people understand what the Bible says and can live rightly by it. So the opposite of, of cutting straight in, this, in, in Paul's example is, is godless chatter. Timothy is to avoid godless chatter because ultimately it has a devastating impact on people's lives. We're told that those who indulge in it will become more and more ungodly. It doesn't, doesn't help anyone to, to live in a way that honors God because it's not what God has said. The gospel brings life Anything else just harms. Paul says it's, it spreads like gangrene. I don't know if you've ever seen gangrene. Don't worry. No pictures are going to come up of this because I had a Google of it, and it's, it's gross. <laughs> like it would, it would put you off your lunch and your and your dinner. Um, if you've got a strong stomach, by all means, Google later. Um, not now. I'm not cleaning it up. Um, it is, gangrene is horrific. Uh, it sort of eats away your flesh. It only ever harms. It's never, for, it's never for good. And Paul is saying that is what false teaching does, this godless chatter. It, it may seem like nothing. It may start off as, as not very much, but it just gets worse and worse and worse. It spreads to others as more and more people are sucked in by it to the point that ultimately it destroys people's faith that is why it matters that we cut straight when we seek to pass on the gospel that we teach people what the bible says especially when that gospel is under attack timothy's situation and there are these false teachers coming and saying the resurrection has already taken place you might think hasn't the resurrection already taken place it's not talking about jesus resurrection it's talking about the resurrection of all believers And that will happen when Jesus returns. But some people are coming along and saying, that's already happened, guys. We're already living in that now. But of course, if that's true, then my life now would be sin-free and it would be suffering-free. And so you can see why that sort of teaching has appeal. Hey, no sin, no suffering. Of course, uh, until, of course, suffering hits. Or you're... You're left confronted by your own sin in a way that you can't ignore. And all that you're left with is doubt and confusion. I guess that sort of teaching is is still around today. Um, You you get it in the sort of full-on prosperity gospel. You know, come to Jesus for for perfect health and wealth and the good life. But there are subtler versions of that um, too. Versions that assume that my life should always be good or at least always getting better. It's, it's, it's the sort of thing that, that you end up saying when, when hard things come, I didn't think God would allow this to happen to me. You get it also in, in, in lesser versions of the gospel I, I, that essentially say, uh, it, it, the gospel is all about bringing heaven to earth now. It's all about making this world uh, a little bit better. So those things might be good in and of themselves, but they're not—they're not—they're the, not the life-giving gospel. So I guess you—you you have some churches who, who who pride themselves on on their eco-church status, you know. So they—they've pushed all their energies into uh, into getting this gold star eco-church. I don't know how they do that—solar panels on the on the roof and. Uh, and really excellent recycling programs. And there's nothing wrong with that. But if that is what the whole, um, if that's what you're passing on, if that's what the, the, the mission of your church is, you've missed something. Similarly, if all uh, your church is seeking to do is, is be a positive influence uh, on the society around you, it's great to be a positive influence. But if the best that you can offer is that, that people just feel a little bit better about life, as a result of of being part of our church, you are missing out. The gospel is so much more than that. We've been seeing that through the uh, through 2 Timothy. And the problem with this kind of teaching is it can seem very appealing. It tells people what they want to hear. And um, it often comes in 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 very nicely packaged formats, uh, the beautifully produced book, um, with with references, uh, recommendations from people that that we've heard of. It can sound very clever and certainly very relevant. It's often dressed up in sort of Christian-sounding language. But if it's not the gospel, it is pointless babble, godless chatter. It is complete nonsense. You'd be better off, Paul says, going upstairs um, into crash, and, uh, and asking the one-year-olds uh, to teach you the gospel. They would do a better job than the false teachers. It's damaging, isn't it? When, when people are promised all the blessings of eternal life now, and then life falls apart, and they are left with nothing, their faith just crumbles away. That's, that's devastating if you've seen the impact that has on people because they have been taught lies instead of being taught the life-giving gospel. That is why uh, it, Paul is, is so, his language is so strong to those who teach lies. So when, um, regardless of who they are, so when people um, with, with fancy collars or a, a grand title teach um, that, that something the Bible says is sin is not sin, when they teach that there is no eternal judgment, when they teach that all God requires of you is to um, recycle better. That's not good enough. All of us are called to teach the truth, particularly those in public leadership roles. So whatever role you have, whether it's um, uh, leading a small group or teaching your children, or just chatting to a friend make sure that you're cutting straight that you are teaching the truth teach and live the truth more more briefly than point two have nothing to do with false teaching this is it sort of follows on verse 20 and 21. in a large house there are articles not only of gold and silver but also of wood and clay some are for special purposes and some are for common use. Those who cleanse themselves from the latter will be instruments for special purposes, made holy, useful to the master, and prepared to do any good work. Paul's using a little picture of, of, of two types of instruments or, or vessels in your house. Some are for special purposes, and some are for common use. And You might be wondering uh, what, the, what the bowl of chocolates is. Uh, four it looks lovely doesn't it? Who wants a chocolate and um, it looks yeah, wait a minute, And um, it looks like a like a vessel for special purposes, special treat. what you don 't know is that this is as the label says, you can 't read it, but this is the fury sick ball <laughs> in case you weren't sure. Shane's very helpfully put on it, not for cakes. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you what we do with this ball, but that is what we do with it, okay? I'm not going to, de- I'm not going to demonstrate. It, it looks appealing. You might think, what a treat, but it is... It, it's, it's common, okay? You don't want... it. The, the point Paul is making is that if you're bringing the life-giving gospel to people, you don't use lies. You don't use the lies of the false teachers. In fact, you have nothing. You don't want those lies anywhere near the truth. You don't want that bowl anywhere near your cake cupboard. Cake drawer. Maybe you don't have a cake cupboard, but... keeping away from false teaching is what enables you to to pass the gospel on. It enables enables you to be prepared for any good work. And for Paul, this is not just hypothetical. He can name people who are doing this, who are teaching lies. And so as we seek to pass on the gospel, we're not to be naive. There will be those who teach falsehood. And Paul says we would have nothing to do with that teaching. So if you're in a teaching role um, in any of any description, do not let lies and wickedness in. Keep reminding yourself of the gospel so that you are prepared to pass it on. If you do come across um, false teaching, it's not saying that you're never to engage with it. You might want to engage with it to understand it and to refute it, to ensure that others aren't sucked in by it. But it's saying, don't let that impact your heart. Don't let it tear you away from the true gospel. And equally, I think Paul is saying, don't play around with sin. There is a strong link always between false teaching and ungodliness, false teaching and sin. And so don't play around with sin. We we, we may feel that, that sin done in secret doesn't harm anybody else if they're not directly in, in, involved. But if we're seeking to, to pass on the gospel, our sin does harm others. It will impact the gospel that we teach as well as the way in which we teach it. So Paul says, have nothing to do with false teaching. And finally, Uh, here Jesus, don't argue gently instruct see the i guess the danger for timothy as paul gives him these instructions is that he ends up fighting over everything and paul knows that and so here's his wisdom uh, to someone younger verse 22 flee the evil desires of youth and pursue righteousness faith love and peace along with those who call on the name uh, on the name of the lord out of a pure heart don't have anything to do with foolish or stupid arguments, because you know they produce quarrels. And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but must be kind to everyone, able to teach, not resentful. Opponents must be gently instructed in the hope that God will grant them repentance leading to a knowledge of the truth, and that they will come to their senses and escape from the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. Paul says, Flee the desires the evil desires of youth. He is, I think, in the context, talking about the, the sort of hot-headed arrogance that, that just um, fights everything, fights on every front. Anything that you don't agree with, fight on that, fight about this. Now, instead of that, we're to pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace. That is, we're, we're to display the fruit of the Spirit. Specifically, In this example, in terms of our teaching, when the gospel is under attack, verse 24. The Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, not resentful. See, if if we understand the gospel that we're seeking to pass on, then there is no room for that sort of hot-headed arrogance that just goes at everything. Now, the gospel humbles me because I'm also just a sinner in need of God's grace and forgiveness. You stand up when it really matters, but you don't get caught in in foolish and stupid arguments. What does that mean? I think he's saying just things that really do not matter. Um, Speculation, or things that just come out of our culture that have nothing to do with what God's word actually says. All that does is make Christians fall out with one another. And that ends up not being for the good of the gospel, but a distraction from proclaiming that good, life-giving, true gospel. Paul's saying, choose your battles wisely. Stand up for what matters, but let the other things go when they don't matter. And even then, even when you do stand up for what matters, for, for the gospel, you have to do it gently and for the good of others. Do you see that? The, the goal is not that I would be proved right, that others would, would, would see how well I understand the gospel. No, the, the, the goal is for the good of others, that they might live differently, that they might repent, and that they might know the truth that they themselves might know the gospel in order to pass it on to others. So I, I think what this means, when we're thinking about, about challenging someone, having a, a conversation with them, it is it is asking this question, what is my hope for this conversation? What do I hope to achieve in speaking to this person? If it is that I would be proved right or that I would win an argument, then it's probably best not to have that conversation. People are rarely won uh, by that kind of conversation. Now it'll be hard, isn't it? Because we'll always be a mix of motives. Our hearts will always be mixed uh, when we seek to have those sorts of conversations. But just stopping and asking ourselves, what do I hope to achieve from this conversation? That, That helps us to understand our motives and to shape them rightly. Paul says, don't argue, gently instruct. There is instruction that needs to happen, but it is to be gentle. And so for all of us, I, I, I think, um, this is the sort of leader that we want to sit under, a leader who will do this. We don't want to settle for less. We don't want to think that it doesn't matter. And if our leaders are always fighting over everything, then that is a problem. Equally, if they never stand up and fight for the gospel, that's a problem too because the gospel is always under attack. So encourage um, your leaders to stand up for things that really matter and back them up when they do. Encourage them essentially to be like Jesus Jesus, of course, is the the best example, the perfect example of always treading that fine line. He always stood up for the truth, but it was always for the good of others and for the honor and glory of his father. Because he understood that people were being deceived by the devil's lies. It's so strong the way Paul describes it. That is what false teaching is. That is what false teaching does. It keeps people captive to lies. But what we've seen of the gospel, what we have in the gospel is true, life-giving. And so it really matters that people hear that gospel. It matters that we stand up for the truth of that gospel in order that we might pass it on. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we praise you that in the gospel we have a message of life. Father, we ask that that where that gospel is under attack, where people try to change it or deny it altogether, that we might be those who are prepared to stand up in whatever way our roles um, uh, demand it, that we might stand up for the truth of the gospel. That we might do that not, not to be argumentative or to get into a fight, but in, in order that people might know the truth, in order that that might be turned away from lies and ultimately in order that the Lord Jesus would be glorified as his gospel is passed on. In Jesus name we pray. Amen.